welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast, Season 3, Episode 7 in the Book of Colossians, a letter written by Paul to the church in Colossae. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary, and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. We begin this Episode 7 in Chapter 2, where Paul gets specific about the false teaching that was being exposed to the church, and begins to discuss the doctrine of sanctification, which is very important. All right, we'll start in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 16. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is the Messiah. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on ascetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm and inflated without cause by his unspiritual mind he doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons develops with growth from god if you died with the messiah to the elemental forces of this world why do you live as if you still belong to the world why do you submit to regulations don't handle don't taste don't touch All these regulations refer to what is destroyed by being used up. They are commands and doctrines of men. Although these have a reputation of wisdom by promoting ascetic practices, humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. Back to verse 16. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Now, this is interesting how Paul approaches the false teachings in these verses. It appears that some in the congregation are being critical and demanding to retain certain requirements of the law or some traditions of men, as referred to in verse 22. These judgments by others were carried out in a very critical and authoritative manner, and Paul was addressing them directly and forcefully. Notice that Paul is saying clearly in verse 16, don't let anyone judge you regarding foods and festivals. Well, it's really kind of hard to keep people from making those judgments, but the response to those judgments are in our control. Paul is saying don't give in to these false arguments, no matter how they are presented. False teachers were trying to force regulations on these believers that were unnecessary to the Christian faith. These regulations had nothing to do with one's relationship with Christ. These were ritual observances of the law, which were frequent disruptions in the early church. And diet was a strong emotional issue that circulated over two things. The first one was over the Old Testament law of what was clean and unclean to eat. The second was over consuming meat that had been offered to an idol. Now that meat was often sold in the market after the sacrifice to the idol, and it didn't come with any disclaimer that says where it came from. Clean and unclean meat was addressed by Jesus and also dramatically demonstrated to Peter. In Mark chapter 7, verse 17, Jesus explains a parable. When he went into the house away from the crowd, the disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, Are you also as lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a man from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart but into the stomach and is eliminated. As a result, he made all foods clean. Then he said, What comes out of a person that 
defiles him. For, for from within, out of the people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, promiscuity, stinginess, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. In Acts chapter 10, verse 9, God shows Peter something. At the, at the next day, as they were traveling and nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the housetop about noon, and he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he went into a visionary state. He saw heaven opened and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down being lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. And the voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter said, for I have never eaten anything common and ritually unclean. Again, a second time, a voice said to him, What God has made clean, you must not call common. This happened three times, and the object was taken up into heaven. Now, God was using this example to show Peter that he needed to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, but again, all things are made clean by God. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, he seems to have forgotten some of that. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned, for he regularly ate with the Gentiles before men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, If you, who are a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? Well, Peter had a minor lapse from what God had demonstrated to him, and Paul set him straight. But those were the people called Judaizers who were trying to enslave the believers to continue to follow principles, and these principles no longer mattered. There were those in the congregation that were ascetics that took those Old Testament regulations that they wanted to keep and made them worse. Asceticism is a lifestyle characterized by abstinence from sensual pleasures, often for the purpose of pursuing spiritual goals, but those goals were self-glorifying and not glorifying to God. Then there was the issue for ascetics. Do Christians participate in pagan holidays, or do they worship on the Sabbat or on Sunday? Leviticus spelled out observed feasts, new moons, and sabbats. These regulations given by God to the Israelites was to set them apart from all other peoples to be God's people. This became cultural over time for the Israelites, not just theological. Paul strictly forbid the Colossian Christians to fall under these regulations, and here is why. These may appear spiritual, however, the spiritual life is a matter of a relationship with Christ and a heart totally committed to him. Now, Richard Mellick writes, to consider these matters as necessary to the Christian life would undermine the work of Jesus. Clearly, if human effort was effective, then the work of God is unnecessary. The law pointed to the need for a Savior from sin. The law showed us sin. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, For no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law, because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. 
But now, apart from the law, God's righteousness has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. That is, God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a propitiation through faith in His blood to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented Him to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time, so that He would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. Jesus declares our righteousness. Verse 17 says, These are a shadow, those things they want to keep. These are a shadow of what was to come. The substance, the substance is the Messiah. The regulations of the law were just a shadow of the Messiah who would come to justify the world through him. This law was a vague, shadowy resemblance of the truth of the New Testament. The shadow, when we have a shadow, is far less significant than the solid object casting the shadow. No one prefers the shadow to the substance, and the shadow in this case was anticipatory to what Christ would do. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, why then was the law given? It was added because of the transgressions until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. The law was put into effect through angels by means of a mediator. Now a mediator is not for just one person, but God is one. Is the law therefore contrary to God's promises? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that was able to give life, then righteousness would certainly be by the law. But the scripture has imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian until Christ so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The substance for the shadow was Christ Jesus. Verse 18 says, Let no one disqualify you insisting on ascetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm, and inflated without cause by his unspiritual mind. Well, these verses have some interpretive difficulties, so let's take a look at them. What is the warning in verse 18? Let no one disqualify you. Okay, that sounds pretty dire, disqualification. But the words to disqualify in Greek is katabrabriato. This word means to umpire, award the prize. Are the Colossians in danger of losing the prize of their commitment to Christ? Now some uh, commentators understand this to mean to put you under judgment, or let no one put you under judgment. Or it could be that Paul's point was simply this, following his false teaching would bring on a loss of joy and benefits of the relationship with Christ. To disqualify from the benefits of a close relationship, and certainly it's not signifying a loss of salvation, as scriptures clearly declared that is impossible if we are saved by God's grace. And they had something else that was egregious, and that was the worship of angels. Now that seems odd that Someone wanted to worship the attendants of God or his messengers and not God. Well, clearly that's a false narrative. 
This so-called worship of angels seems to be tied to ascetic practices and claims some spiritual benefit, which Paul says was all inside their own heads by an unspiritual mind. They claimed some kind of a supernatural spiritual experience rather than the worship of God. This brings on a false pride in a person's abilities. Verse 19 says, He doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons develops with growth from God. These false teachers were trying to enrich a spiritual life that was devoid of the source of life. (laughs) They were trying to make their lives more spiritual by staying away from God. He doesn't hold on to the Creator. He isn't holding on to the Creator that nourishes the entire spiritual life of a believer. Only the worship of God brings spiritual growth, not anything that a human can devise for themselves. If you are just seeking a spiritual experience without connecting to the Savior, then that hunger is never going to be satisfied. We need an experience based on Christ and the gospel that is suited for the building up of the entire body of Christ, not individual effort for something else. Being severed from the head of the body is unproductive and spiritually dead. There is no other source of strength other than Christ. Ascetic practices, worship of angels, are false when all we need is Christ. Christ is our spiritual reality. Verse 20 says, If you died with the Messiah to the elemental forces of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? This whole system that the false teachers were trying to enforce on the church was spiritually bankrupt and very enslaving. They were subject to being enslaved by thoughts contrary to Christianity. They had a dogma that Paul calls out, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. And this is in regards to being enslaved to thoughts of man. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Paul says that for the Christian, all things are lawful but handled with the ability to always consider others as more important than yourself. He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. No one should seek his own good, but the good of the other person. Eat everything that is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. If one of the unbelievers invites you over and you want to go, eat everything that is set before you without raising question of conscience. But if someone says to you, this is food offered to an idol, do not eat it out of consideration for the person who told you and for conscience sake. I do not mean your own conscience, but the other person's. For why is my freedom judged by another person's conscience? If I partake with thanks, why am I slandered because of something I give thanks for? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. Give no offense to the Jews or the Greeks or the church of God, just as I also try to please all people in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that they may be saved. Paul was exposing a heresy in Colossae that threatened to undermine the very heart of the gospel. Verse 22 says, All these regulations refer to what is destroyed by being used up. They are commands and doctrines of men. All right, these revelations, these objections and rules thrown out by the false teachers, they were all consumable. 
They perish with use, as Paul says, they are being used up. They are commands and doctrines of men. They contain no more insight than the world of which they are a part. Christians focus on what is lasting, not temporal. What Christians should focus on is the eternal. Food and observances are temporal and fleeting and foolish for the Christian to take part of. Verse 23 says, or, you know, take part of it's something that you think is going to keep you spiritual, then obviously that's a problem. Verse 23 says, although these have a reputation of wisdom by promoting ascetic practices, humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. These practices have no value in sanctification. They are just a mere appearance of wisdom to some and contain none. Christians are set apart and made holy by God to share, praise, glorify, and worship Him. This appearance of wisdom from the false teachers was through self-imposed ascetic practices, this false humility and harsh treatment of the body. None of those things glorifies God or curbs the need for self-indulgence. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul says this, Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'll tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. All right, in the next episode, we'll begin chapter 3 and delve further into the doctrine of sanctification and the life of a Christian saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. What are the actions of a believer? I am thankful for all those who listen and hope this study helps you in your spiritual understanding of Scripture. God bless you today. I encourage you to spend time in God's Word. We do have a Facebook and Instagram page, and I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you have gained anything from this study. God bless, and I pray that you are well.